Pastor Ed Taylor believes this is an important time for us to look at our homes and get things in their proper place. I believe coming out of a year like we have, with all of our eyes everywhere else. What about this? And I can't see that. And we need to change this. And we can't let this happen. All of that, the Lord is saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Get your eyes back on your own home. As for me and my house, we need to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, judgment begins with us. It begins with our church family and with our homes. And so he's bringing great attention to us as parents. And today for you as kids, children, what your responsibility is. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing There's a lot working against our kids in this world, isn't there? From the music they hear to the shows they watch on TV and even some of their peers, the ungodly influences and pressures are growing by the day. But in the midst of it all, there's a God who wants to lead and strengthen them. Today on Abounding Grace, we turn our attention to children as our Family Matters series continues with a focus on Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor Ed Taylor shows us two decisions children can make that will lead to great blessing. Let's start in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and then we're going to end in Ephesians chapter 6. And the Bible study I've entitled today is Kids or Children Matter. Kids matter. It's as simple as that. Your kids, our kids, they matter to God, and they matter to us. And if you're a kid today a young person, a young adult listening to me, first of all, don't be offended by the word kid. Because now that I've raised my children into adulthood, hey, they're always going to be my kids. It doesn't matter how old they become. It's not a word that we're using that is somehow trying to offend you. Whether it's you want to say, you look at yourself as a kid, you want to look at yourself as a child, you want to look at yourself as a young adult, wherever you are in the role in relationship to your parents, or in some cases your grandparents, or maybe an aunt and uncle, whatever that role is, don't be offended by that word. You just need to know that you're important to us. You're important to God. You're important to your parents. And to this church, you know, often kids would be referred to, and I did this for many years, kids would be referred to as the next generation. We would look out and say, you kids, you are the next generation of the church. But you know, I've changed my mind over the years. I don't use that phrase anymore. In some ways, I guess it is true that children, you know, kids are the next generation. You will be the church after we move on. So I get that. But I've changed my mind. I don't believe you're the next generation of the church. I believe you are the church right now in the condition that you are. You're not going to come to some point at some age, sometime in the future, where you can finally say, oh yeah, now this is my church. No, it's your church right now. It's a big part of your life. You are the church in the age that you are right now. We believe this so much that a few years ago, we sat back praying and seeking the Lord and made major changes in how we minister to kids and young adults here. 
Uh, we, we changed a lot of things, including the high school youth ministry and even some of the ways that we're doing junior high ministry just for you to enable you as young people to own and serve and live out your life within the context of the larger church family. We didn't abandon youth ministry. No, we have dedicated pastors at every age, from the young kids to the middle school to the high school, dedicated pastors and their families serving the kids. However, you need to understand that you are loved and valued as the church, as it is right now. And you are welcome to obey God, to pray, and to step up and own the church in what God is leading you to do. You know, children, they come into our homes, into our lives in a lot of different ways. Of course, the most common way is biologically. God would allow families to have biological children. Other times, adoption. I'm a product of adoption myself. And so homes will grow through adoption. Others have children in their homes because of the foster care system. Maybe even in foster to adopt. Perhaps you are raising and brought children into your home from a family member that things weren't working out or a situation in a home. I know a lot of grandparents are raising their grandchildren. I know you never expected to do that, but that is your role in life. However kids have come into the home, they're valued and important to God. So much so, notice with me in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus uses a child as, as an example of humility before adults. Notice in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives a little child like this in my name receives me. I mean, God places great value upon children. I mean, imagine if you were this kid used as an illustration for a great biblical truth. He reminds us, hey, look, you want to be great in God's kingdom? He's not saying to be childish. He's saying be childlike. Watch the children and watch how trusting they are. How much, how they listen, how they follow the lead, how they don't have these pretenses and all these, like watch the kids, church, and you'll be able to see example after example of what God is looking for in your life and mine. But Jesus goes on, he says in verse six, you think of ramping up the care and concern, notice what he says. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. I mean, he, he, play, he, he warns us. He says, don't you make little kids sin. Don't stumble one of these little ones. Don't, don't do that mom. Don't do that dad. Don't do that grandma, grandpa. Kids are not to be abused and mistreated and taken advantage of. It would be better if you had a millstone around your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea than to hurt a child. And that's how valuable children are in the eyes of God and to us here in this church family. And you know, the enemy's after the kids. I don't know if you noticed, but the culture and the enemy is after the kids. He's after your kids. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you're a kid or a child listening, a young adult listening to me right now, there is a serious battle surrounding your life. And really, the battle really surrounds how you make your choices. What choices will you make? 
Will you choose to follow the ways of God in your life, no matter what your parents do, good or bad? Or will you choose to give in to the many, many pressing temptations that are coming upon your life? There's a battle around your life just to take you out, get your eyes off of Jesus, to get you mad at your parents, to get you mad at your church, to get you mad at this world so that you will go launch off and do things that you know you shouldn't be doing. And you go, oh, come on, Ed, pastor, you're being a little dramatic here, aren't you? I wish I was. I really wish I was. I wish you could walk out and go, yeah, you know, pastor's being dramatic again. He's just making it up. I'm not. This is a serious, serious, serious battle. You know, the battle is so, the, parent, the parents right now, or, or couples right now, they, they see the world in, in such danger and such difficulty that some parents, even Christian parents right now, are actually questioning whether they should bring children into the world. Even though God's command was to be fruitful and multiply. Things are so bad right now that people are, it's a real fear and concern. Do I really want to bring my child up in this? How can I possibly bring my child up? Do we even want children? Even though the Bible says yes, yes, yes. Children are a heritage from the Lord. A gift, a blessing. But today if you look up the statistics, I'm not going to share with you all the numbers, but you can look it up for yourself. More and more kids today are turning to alternative lifestyles and new identities than ever before. More kids are spending time with a phone in their face online than talking to their own parents. More kids today are going down the path of what they call deconstructing their faith. You know, it's one thing to test all things, hold fast to what is good. It's one thing to question and to study to show yourself approved. But when you start hearing the word deconstructing, 99.9% .9 of the time that ends with a child or a person walking away from the faith. It's just becoming super popular. It's becoming the in thing to do, to question everything. You know, that, back in the day, back, you know, maybe 50, 60 years ago, they'd have little bumper stickers, question authority. Well, that mindset is still with us today. But you hear it differently in kids and even adults deconstructing their faith. There are more kids rebelling against God today than ever before, against his love and care. More homes today have kids at odds with their parents than ever before. There are more broken homes. More homes today raised by a single mom and in some cases a single dad than ever before. I mean, the battle is raging to divide homes, to divide marriages, ultimately to get the next generation, to get the next generation. So much so that it reminded me of a book that's on my shelf. Back when he visited and taught here, Ken Ham had just written a book back in like 2010. He wrote it in 2009. He titled it, Already Gone. And in that book, they commissioned a research group to do a lot of polling. Uh, and what they found is that most kids aren't following the Lord. They don't have anything to do with the Lord. And here's just one sentence from a book. And this was 12 years ago. So we know it's worse now than it was 12 years ago. But here's what he wrote. And I quote, the next generation is already calling it quits on traditional church. If you look around in your church today, two-thirds of the young people who are sitting among us have already left in their hearts, and soon they will be gone for good. We've certainly witnessed this in our own church family. It usually happens about the time a kid launches off from high school. And they're done and graduate high school and they head off. They head off either into this pseudo adulthood or they go to college. 
And I mean the first day, the first class, if not the first class, the second class, they're already going to face professors that want to attack their simple faith in Jesus, want to undermine it. They want to redesign it. They want to make them feel foolish about it. They, they want to have in their authority as the professor, as the teacher, somehow saying everything you've ever learned, everything you've ever been taught is wrong. It's fairy tales. It's mythology. What makes that worse, though, is they came from a home that was not walking with the Lord. In the church, which is why I believe, coming out of a year like we have, with all of our eyes everywhere else, what about this, and I can't see that, and we need to change this, and we can't let this happen. All of that, the Lord is saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Get your eyes back on your own home. As for me and my house, we need to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, judgment begins with us. It begins with our church family and with our homes. And so he's bringing great attention to us as parents. And today for you as kids, children, what your responsibility is. The Lord wants me to teach you today and remind you what will help you grow in the grace and the love of Jesus. It's not enough just to mentally ascend to all the Bible studies you receive. They need to be put into action in your home, and in your life. Or you too will find kids will be ripped off right from under your noses. Now, again, the enemy is slick. He's ripping adults off. He's ripping kids off. But we don't, it doesn't need to be so. Today is the day where you can take back the authority that God has given you in the home. And kids, today is the day you're reminded of how you respond to that authority. Notice with me now in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now this verse is in context, isn't it? God has been speaking to the family, to the church in Ephesus, through Paul the Apostle, and we've already looked, there's mutual submission, then there's the word to wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, with submission also comes respect, and then there was husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and now within the home where there are children, children obey and honor your parents. Those are the two things that God has given to you. Obey and honor your parents. Or if you're living with your grandparents, it applies. If you're a part of a blended family, it applies. Obey and honor. That's it. These two decisions will bless your life, no matter what age you are. Obedience, when you come together with obey and honor, obedience speaks to the actions of you children, you young adults, your actions. What kind of actions are you to have in the home? Obey your parents. Honor speaks of your attitude. What kind of attitude should you have toward your parents? Well, you're to respect and honor them for the role that they play in your life. Whether they're executing it good, well or not, you need to respect the position. And after respecting the position, then you respect the person. You have the right actions and the right attitudes. Now, the Greek word there for obey, remember the New Testament written in the Greek language, the word obey is a military word. It comes to us from the military. It has the picture and an idea of a soldier ready to engage in battle. And so he chooses to listen carefully. That's what obey means, to listen intently, to listen carefully 
for the orders and instructions of his commanding officer. So let me restate that for you that are living under your parents' roof right now. Living under your parents' roof. Do what your parents say. That's what obey means. Do what they tell you to do. And I want you to notice parents, and, and there will be an overlapping here, although we will have a study dedicated to parents, there has to be an overlapping when we're talking about kids here. Parents, I want you to notice that he doesn't instruct you to make your kids obey. I know some of you think that's your job. It's not your job to make your kids obey. What happens is, is that you harden little soft hearts when you make them obey. You begin to build up resentment even at a very young age when you make them obey. Now, certainly there are times where the boundaries are so strict that you're going to require, through discipline, compliance to the rules of the home. But it's not your obligation, nor is it God's calling upon your life, to go around and say, you know, it's like maybe you would take this message and say, you want you to know something, son. I've been telling you this my whole life, but even Pastor Ed agrees with me. You need to obey me. That's not going to work. It's not going to be very helpful. Because now you're going to make your kid mad at me like he's mad at you. And you want, you want your kid to respect me as pastor. I may just be used in an external voice in your child's life to help them get on unto the Lord. Like when we were re reassessing all of our youth ministries here, one of the things, even though they have dedicated pastors, men that are dedicated to ministering to every age level in our church, if this is your family's church and this is your kid's church, then I'm your kid's pastor. I have a responsibility to shepherd your children. So the last thing you want to do is use me as a weapon to substantiate some parenting techniques that you need to change. You don't have a need to make your kid. A big mistake that parents make is they confuse compliance with obedience. You know, your kid's doing what you tell them to do because you raise your voice or you threaten them or using all these techniques. You know what they do? They finally comply, but not in their heart. They don't agree with you. They don't see it your way. They're just basically doing whatever they do. So you'll be quiet. And then behind your back, they're creating up. Instead of building a relationship with your kids, you are hardening their hearts. And then at a very young age, they start doing things behind your back. You see, you have to understand your kids have a bent towards sin. We know that. You can amen that. It's true. You have a bent towards sin. I have a bent towards sin. And it's in the home with good, solid love, in the atmosphere of love, solid disciplinary boundaries, encouragement and help with a good example, those ingredients will help your kids make greater progress than just demanding obedience. So make sure you understand that. He doesn't, as a matter of fact, the command when we get to it in verse four has not anything to do with making your kids obey. He actually tells dads, don't provoke your children to wrath. And we will get into that in our study next time. So the obedience is necessary. It's not just to children that are young, though, which is the easier time of parenting when the kids are younger. It's when they begin to grow up that things become more challenging. That's why those formative years, you really want to establish to the best of your ability an atmosphere of love and grace and help and mercy upon your kids because as hard as it is right now with little kids, it gets harder and more challenging and you want to start young 
reminding them so your kids are just safe. You know, just like we were learning with submission, right, with your kids, with husbands and wives, a wife that's secure in her, in her husband's love. Man, it's just a beautiful thing. Well, the same with your kids. When they live in a home that's secure and know that they're loved and cared for, man, it's just a beautiful thing, even though they do have a bent towards sin. But that word children now isn't just a reference to little kiddos. It actually is the Greek word technon, T-E-K-N-O-N. This word actually is the verb form of it, techna. And, and it refers to a child of any age living under, under their parents' roof. So it's not just a little guy or a little gal. It is a child any age that is living under the roof of their parents' home. So what that means is whether you're 9 or 19, whether you're 3 or 23, if you live under your parents' roof, you're a techna. And if you are a techna, then you are to obey your mom and dad. If it's under their roof, it is their rules. If you want different rules, get a different roof. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Things do change. Things do change with kids, though. You know, they go through different stages. As they go through different stages, it starts out with the young adolescent, right? And a young adolescent looks up to their parents like, oh, my parents know everything. They can do no wrong. And we like that stage. But from that stage, they move into what's known as puberty. And they change their mind a little bit. And now they say, well, you know, parents know a lot, but not everything. Then from puberty, they go into what we know as teenage years. And as a teenager, they can come to the conclusion, my parents don't know nothing. <laughs> but then they grow up a little bit. And into their early 20s, they start to think, you know what? I think my parents knew more than I thought they did. To when they become parents themselves, and then they come back to, you know what? My parents know everything. As they begin to experience it themselves. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been learning about the role and responsibility of children in the home. They are to obey and honor their parents. Pastor Ed Taylor will go on to show us how Jesus modeled this beautifully for us next time. You can hear these radio programs on our website any time of the day or night at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. Pastor Ed, this is our final opportunity to talk about your new book called Face Your Fears. If you had to sum it up in just a few words, what would they be? Well, you know, Larry, I have in my hand this little mini book we called Face Your Fears. The subtitle is Learning to Trust God in Scary Times. If I had to summarize it uh, in just a few words, I'd say it's a resource to help you get through those times where fear seems to be overwhelming, seems to lead to irrational choices. I mean, there's so many things to be fearful about, so many things to be concerned about. And we want to learn how to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding, acknowledging Him in all our ways, and He'll direct our paths. And we put this together to help you uh, deal with, you know, fears that might be holding you back, robbing you of a real peaceful, faith-filled relationship with God, because we all deal with fear. It's true. It's a real good emotion. It's, it's a real and a good emotion. Uh, but sometimes emotions get out of control and we start making irrational decisions. And I just want to encourage you. I mean, 2020, 2021 has been really hard really challenging. And the, one of the big, one, one of the things you'll hear from pastors, you know, is like, oh, you shouldn't be fearful. You, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. 
And and yeah, you know, yeah, I changed my voice a little bit, but but of course, so that when we're dealing with the overwhelming fears, we know it's not from the Lord. And I don't want you to be, you know, condemned. I don't want you to be beat up over it, but I do want to see you get through it. And I do want to see you turn to the Lord and trust him. And that's what we put this together. I actually taught it as a Bible study, and then we edited it into book form. I was just reading, by the way, Larry, I was just reading an article that book sales and and books in general in print have gone up double digits since the pandemic started. And and the Lord had given that to me before I even read read that article that we need to add back this personal touch of buying and handing a book to someone and giving it as a gift. And this is a great Christmas present. Uh, you can buy them. It's small. It's inexpensive. You can buy them in bulk if you want. You can call the office and talk to my assistant, get them in bulk, give them as gifts, encourage people, uh, let them be encouraged by the Lord in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, the very last paragraph, for you believers, choose to trust in the Lord today. Let the faithfulness of God in the past be a present reality to you today. I mean, isn't that just encouraging? So pick it up. I know the Lord will use it in your life. And remember, whenever you get these resources through us here at calvaryco.store, all the net proceeds go out to our missionaries. So it's a double blessing, isn't it? Bless you guys. To request a copy of Face Your Fears, visit calvaryco.store on the web or call 877-30-GRACE. There's more to come in Ed Taylor's series, Family Matters, and we'll have that for you all next week on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.